Hello, I'm Sheriff Chad Bianco and welcome to another edition of the RSO Roundup. Excited to have you here, happy to have you listening and watching. Uh, we're going to have a good show today. We're talking today with Deputy Mike Calhoun, who is our chief pilot for our aviation unit. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Very nice. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for the RSO for the RSO Roundup? Uh, we highlight everything in our department, including our, our personnel. And so, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I've uh, been with the department for 20 years now. I've uh, been with the aviation unit for the last 14 years. Uh, became, I started off as a tactical flight officer, and uh, that's essentially the person that's uh, talking to the guys on the ground, working the spotlight, working the FLIR camera. And then uh, three years later, 2010, I became a pilot. Uh, so I've been flying for the unit since 2010. And in uh, January of 2017, I became uh, the chief pilot, my current assignment within the, within the unit. Worked, uh, worked patrol in Paris, uh, worked the jail in Blythe initially, uh, worked set team in Paris at the old Paris station um, off of 4th Street. Um, yeah, I went to the aviation unit, have been there ever since, and love it. Very nice. You and, and all of your partners in there, you're always trying to get out and begging me to transfer you. And no, <laughs> no. We are very blessed and fortunate, and every guy and female I work with, too, we're very, very blessed and fortunate to be where we are in that unit, helping out uh, men and women on the ground. We, so that's, that's one of the assignments that we have in the department, that once you once you find yourself there, you you don't really want to leave it. Yeah, you don't want to leave it. And I'm glad that, uh, that you allow us to stay here as well, because you really want uh, experienced pilots uh, doing the missions that we do. Uh, you don't want a whole lot of turnover, especially in that regard. It's uh, uh, we, we, we can go there and we could stay there. And we're just accruing more and more experience uh, with with the aircraft and, and the missions we fly. So it's uh, it's beneficial. It's safer for us. It's safer for the community that we uh, rescue uh, that you have high time, very experienced pilots that can stay there. Yeah, we, um, we, we, we pay close attention to, to all of you and your time on, and uh, we may bug you a little bit too much about when are you leaving, when are you planning on retiring, right. when are, you, if you, are you planning on going somewhere else, yeah. because it's something that we have to plan to get the next person trained up for. Yeah, absolutely, because it, it, it really, um, some, some people think pilots kind of just grow on trees and you can just flip a switch and then they're ready, but... Uh, in our unit, it's been a, it's been a very proven method that we it takes about three years for a, a pilot to become uh, fully unrestricted in our patrol helicopter. Uh, so it, uh, they don't get the keys to the kingdom day one. They that's a very slow progression. They get uh, there's a lot of restrictions that they'll have. They can only fly in the daytime for the first year uh, before they transition to nighttime on night vision goggles, and that's a whole new set of challenges with night vision goggle flying. Uh, and so after that, then they gain more experience at nighttime. And at about 1,500 flight hours is when I start training them for their mountain rescue, search and rescue stuff. Daytime still only. A little more experience in the daytime. And then once they're ready for the nighttime, then they'll transition to their, their nighttime uh, search and rescue, unrestricted altitude, all the way to the peak of Mount San Jacinto at over 10,000 feet. Uh, so it gets a little bit different the way uh, the aircraft behaves and performs in that type of density altitude up at uh, higher elevations like that. So we, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a, a crawl, walk, run approach. And that's been very proven and very safe. Uh, and it's kind of the standard throughout all of law enforcement aviation that I've talked to from uh, people and other agencies throughout the world and the country. Yeah, I, I've heard from some of my friends and even some other law enforcement that, you know, they may have that that ability to fly or they took, yeah. you know, they've got their pilot's license, whether it's a plane or whether it's a helicopter. And sure. uh, they say, oh, I jump right in there and, you know, I could do that. And the reality is 
I learned this from talking to you and, and yeah. some of the other pilots is we've had pilots that have gone in that have already had their license and they don't work out. It's a different animal when you it talk is. about a patrol function. It is. Yeah, it's a it's it's a um, believe it or not, it's a big personality. There's a there's a culture of personality that um, we can we really try to assess that in our in our interview with with, with a tactical flight officer candidate. And uh, we just had interviews last week for so for a new pool of candidates. And uh, we really try to get a feel for what type of person this this person is, the personality and that temperament that they have to become a pilot in the unit. Because I'm looking at, uh, will they be a good, were they a good cop and will they be a good tactical flight officer? But I'm also thinking long term as a chief pilot is like, okay, will they also be a good pilot too later on down the road? Because I'm looking at the whole package here because we bring that person over and we're going to marry that person for the rest of their career. It's a a big investment that we're investing in them. Yeah. So we, so in interest of of public safety and the best for, for the unit as well. It's like we need to we need to be very good. Our picker needs to be really good in the, in the front end. So we uh, we have a pretty lengthy interview and then a practical uh, uh, fly along. They kind of do the same thing in the interview, but with a little altitude, a little noise and a confined helicopter. And uh, we just gauge an aptitude to see how they'll, they'll do. Um, and sometimes we've had former military pilots uh, before I started in the unit. There was one that uh, um, he did just did not, I guess, have the humility really to to be in the unit. He was a he was a marine aviator before, and being the tactical flight officer was beneath him, and mm-hmm. he didn't want to learn that. He didn't want to take the time and have the patience to learn that side of the cockpit first. Yeah, and uh, it was evident, I guess, early on that this guy's personality would not you know, would not serve the unit well. Yeah, in the now, I've I've been up with you guys numerous times, and I, I enjoy watching mm-hmm. you and, and and seeing how everything happens. And it, when we're talking about you have to make sure that they're, you know, they've got to be a good deputy first. Right. And uh, the the reality is that helicopter is a serious extension and benefit and tool for the deputies on the ground. Absolutely. And that TFO, I mean, as, as you're flying that thing around and directing it around and, and, and getting the best visual that you can that yeah. you can get from above, he's got to be or she has got to be directing traffic on the ground. So yeah. it's it's easy to say go over on the one, two, three, four corner and you know, yeah. all those things and go over yeah. on this intersection. But when you're up above and you've got to realize major intersections and directions and as you're circling and, and direct that thing, that's right. a that's a task. It is, sir. I'm I'm glad you recognize that. That's a very good nutshell of what what a tactical flight officer does. Really the pilot, it's it's the easy side of the cockpit to operate. The TFO has a very, very difficult job. You have to, you are task saturated. You have to be a uh, the type of person that's uh, uh, is can take charge of a scene of a call. Many times we are a quasi supervisor. We're moving the pieces on the ground as we see them. Uh, very much like a, like an offensive coordinator is up in the skybox. He can see the entire play develop below him on the field. And so we're, we're like that as well. It's like we can see the overall officer safety picture. We can, uh, you have to have someone that can really tactically diagnose what he's seeing on the ground and what those potential pitfalls could be, potential crossfires, or the, how to maximize uh, the, the tools and the deputies we have right at this moment for the, to affect the, the best likelihood of apprehension of that suspect. So it takes a really special person that can really um, compartmentalize the stress and uh, and think through think through that that situation and kind of not vapor lock and get stressed and um, because really, there's many things going on at the same time not is. just looking out there you're looking at maps you're looking at yeah. you know the 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 floor and you know yeah. whether or not you've got heat sources down there there's there's many things yeah. that are going on yeah 
let alone all at the same time. Yeah, let alone a suspect that's not running from you or the other deputies. And you you have to have that uh, orientation well enough to know which way is is that suspect running by just looking at maybe the camera or just looking outside uh, without taking your eyes off of him. Because if you look up and see where's my north, you may lose him. So you kind of we get overhead, we get over that scene, we kind of set the table like okay that set of houses is my north um, maybe that old truck is my east and we kind of set that that way I don't have to I don't have to look up as yeah. much anymore I set the table and then I can start calling what I see and it, and it very and it evolves especially like on a vehicle pursuit um, there's a lot going on there's the direction of travel there's the actions of the of the suspect what the what he's doing in the vehicle which way he's going uh, and then also kind of pre-positioning your resources down the freeway at those off-ramps maybe or in those other neighborhoods where to set up the spike strips, yeah. um, where to best affect uh, that arrest in order to slow him down. And you, and this is – I mean I listen to you on the radio all the time. I'm monitoring what's going on and of course you guys are up on the air all the time. But sometimes I will hear you talking. Obviously I know you're working and I don't hear you talking. You're back and forth between piloting and the TFO. Absolutely. It's it's an interchangeable skill yeah. and tool and, yeah. and you you're all just rotating through that that it's process. It's great because there's not only is uh the TFO telling the pilot, you know, where to go, where to where to position, but um, with the level of experience that that we have in the aviation unit now, uh, I like to tell guys on patrol that at any given moment, doesn't matter which pilot or TFO you have, you have on average of about 35 years of combined law enforcement experience, leveraging over $5 million worth of technology above your call. So maximize it, use it. You know, that infrared camera, that spotlight, the PA, all those are tools that really help us, uh, number one, keep, their, keep, keep them safer. You know, keep yeah. them safe. And then number two is to do their job more proficiently and more effectively. Um, so that they can get 10-8 faster or to, you know, get to that next call faster or to maybe not have to use as many resources over that call. And a supervisor can, can uh, re, you know, pull a, a unit or two off to go handle maybe a priority one call that, that just came up. So with us overhead, we like to, yeah, first of all, uh, keep the folks safe. And then how can we how can we be a better service to you guys on the ground and help you get 10-8 faster and catch this bad guy or find this missing child faster? Right. And you mentioned something that's a, that's a good segue into the next part of this, that you're... Uh, overhead is is five million dollars worth of equipment that right. that's that's maintaining and, and control over this scene. Sure. So tell us a little bit about our fleet. Uh, what are we yeah, What are we flying up there? So we have a uh, for patrol. We have five uh, A Star. They're made by Airbus helicopters. They're our workhorse. We've uh, had them for twenty one years now. Uh, it's called an H one twenty five. Used to be called the uh, AS three fifty. Uh, single engine a patrol helicopter that's really a multi-tool for what we've always done in the past because we would do the search and rescue with it as well as well as the uh, the law enforcement uh, side of it so a typical day um, before we got our uh, rescue nine helicopter was we would use the the, the A-Star to go go on patrol, looking for the bad guys, helping out the guys on the ground. And then uh, if we got a, a search and rescue call where there was a lost hiker or injured hiker, then we would reconfigure that helicopter pretty simply, just pull the hoist out, tactical flight officer then becomes the hoist operator. And then he's gonna be anchored to the, uh, to the aircraft on the outside. And then we'll go out and look for the victim and hoist them out. And then, uh, you know, get them home, get them off the mountain, and then go back to the hangar, reconfigure, and uh, go back 10-8. Yeah, uh, so back in the law enforcement role. Yes, and so our mountains here, we we're doing mountain rescues all the time. Yeah. We have the 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 mountains in between us and, and Orange County down along the coast, and yeah. we have obviously our our the mountains in between us and the desert, and then we have our 
vast desert area that you guys are yeah. are constantly going out there for, we have for searches very, and rescues. We have very diverse geography and terrain in our county. Very large, 7,300 square miles of, you know, from 10,834 feet, peak of uh, Mount San Jacinto, down to uh, uh, 115 feet below sea level out in the uh, thermal area, Coachella Valley. So uh, very varying uh, uh, temperatures as well in the summertime. It could be 120 degrees down in the Coachella Valley, and it could be that same day, it could be um, high 50s or low 60s up near the peak of the mountain. So big temperature swings, a lot of diverse, beautiful geography that really attracts a lot of people to come hiking. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to work uh, for the search and rescue role. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that whole temperature swing plays havoc with you sometimes, and especially in the summertime. Yeah, yeah, it can. Afraid to land and not be able to take off again. Yeah. We, it, we had that little bit in Blythe that one time where yeah. I was a little worried about whether or not we were going to get off the ground again. <laughs> Yeah, it gets to be a certain temperature, and uh, the, the, the manual says uh, you shouldn't start the engine. So, uh, yeah, and we've been very close to that or at that. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the 125s, we're roughly talking about between 5 and $6 million. Correct. But yeah. we've got about close to a million dollars worth of equipment in those things yeah, that we do. for for our law enforcement purposes with radios and, and oh, lighting yeah. and flurs and things like that. They're, yep. they're not a cheap they're not piece of equipment. They're not. It's a it it is a pricey. Uh, helicopters in general are just are very, or they're very uh, high maintenance, pun intended, uh, because uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, they wear out quicker because there are so many many more moving parts than say an airplane. That's why the training costs generally three times as much to train a helicopter pilot as it does to train an airplane pilot. Uh, helicopters are more expensive to mm-hmm. operate and maintain. So it, it's one of those things. It's one of those tools that. My opinion, I'm sure you're going to back me up on this, and it might be me backing you up on this, is that it's one of those tools that we can't not have. Absolutely. Got to have it. It it is just, uh, as far as the law enforcement side, having an aviation unit, a robust aviation unit, especially as large as our county is, uh, it really really stacks the deck in the favor of the patrol deputies and officers, too, of our allied agencies that don't have aviation units. Um, we can we can cover so much more ground and so much more area, especially on those um, uh, those Alzheimer's patients that walk away missing children. We can cover so much more ground quickly. Check those parks, check those canals, check those neighborhoods, uh, and use the PA too. That PA is such an effective tool to get the community involved in looking for a child that may have been missing. And and I've seen it happen where they, you know they, they saw that that kid at the Carl's Jr. just now and called called PSAP and said, hey, he's over here at Carl's Jr. And they found him. And uh, it's great. It, it's, it keeps the families happier. They find their children, their loved ones faster um, and uh, gets gets the deputies back in service quicker, too, instead of having to pull so many more resources to use. Yeah, it's uh, a, it, invaluable. It's absolutely. what we're able to do for the residents of Riverside County. And, and yeah. it's everyone in Riverside County, whether you yeah. live in a city or you're still a Riverside County resident. And we are we're sure. there to serve you in that aspect. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have five of those, correct? Correct. Yeah. So those are on a rotate basis to make sure we always have one flying. We do. Yeah. Yeah. So we have them roughly almost 24 seven. We do. We have availability. Uh, any of one of us can be called in for uh, in an on-call status uh, to come in, say, in those off hours that we don't have any coverage. We do have a crew that is on call that can, become, can be called in for, say, uh, primarily for a search and rescue mission, or um, it can be also called in for um, like a special mission, SWAT mission, something that happens, or a critical missing child. 
um, Alzheimer's patient or something else that they, the guys on the ground patrol needs a helicopter asset for to yeah. help, uh, we can, we can call somebody in. So the, those 125s, I know there's a, there's other agencies that have a little bit smaller of a, of a bird than, than we do. Right. Um, ours is, ours is the good workhorse patrol. It, it's got the pilot co-pilot and really three seats in the back, but two functional ones really, especially with the gear that you guys have. So, uh, it's yeah. a little bit limited on what you can put in the air. Right. So with that, now we have our new one, right? Our H one forty five. And you, right you here, brought a little replica of it. Yeah. Uh, this is this is our, our our newest acquisition. Yes, and uh, this thing is hands down. Um, I'm unbelievably happy and proud that we were able to yeah. get it. That 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 not only that we had the money at the time, but that the our board let us make that jump because yes, this is this is a game changer for it you is. guys. It is, and I'll I'll brag all day long about this thing. And, and first of all, thank you for really pushing for that. Um, I watched the uh, the board of supervisors meeting where you uh, you you got got us this aircraft, and um, it has been such a game changer not only for us as the uh, the operator of it. It is a safer aircraft. It is a more appropriate aircraft for search and rescue. That it is. It is a light medium twin engine helicopter. It has uh, instrument flight rules capability, which means we can we can get out of our airport when the clouds are really low, the weather's really bad. We can get out of there safely and legally with this helicopter, where we can't do that with the A-STARS, with the patrol aircraft. So this aircraft allows us to um, save more people um, in less amount of time, essentially. Uh, we've had mes- missions where we've saved uh, families of five all at the same time out near a painted canyon desert which we area. could not have done that that would have taken probably three maybe four flights in the nastar which we'd still do but you know when it's when it's 110 115 degrees out there and in one case there was a, a time three, matters old involved at over 90 degrees out of water for a while we got that whole family off in one flight and it was it was great and so this it's um it's a great step forward. Um, leading law enforcement, we're the only, the third law enforcement agency in the nation to have this particular helicopter. Um, so uh, there, there are other agencies uh, near us. They're actually interested in this air- aircraft, and uh, I really hope that they can, uh, they can get it as well because it's just, um, it's just better for the for the victim. It's better for the air crew that we have uh, this this more appropriate, safer, um, greater capability aircraft. Yeah. Now you've taken me. I've been with you and, and some of the other pilots yeah. several times up to places where we're doing our rescues. I've been in, I've been in this one and I've been in the 125 and yeah. even me not knowing anything about anything, I can tell what a much more stable Yeah. and I would, I feel safer and I'm not yeah. the one flying it. So yeah. it's, it has to be just a, a completely different. It is. Yeah. It, it's such a, um, as far as pilot workload, it's tremendously less for the pilot and the co-pilot, um, and the hoist operator as well. It has a um, it has a automatic flight control system. Um, one of the things that it allows us to do is when we're in a hover, uh, saving a victim uh, with the hoist. It basically it's like a, it's an autopilot for the hover, and it keeps us in that position based on our GPS position. So it keeps us very stable, and that's really good for the hoist operator, so that there's not there's minimal movement of the aircraft when we're when we're trying to put that hook into right the down to someone, and it minimizes the swing as the victim's coming up, which is safer for them. It's safer for us, and uh, it's just uh, and 
as opposed to like in the A-Star where we still do it and we've always done it, but we're doing everything by hand. It's just, we're flying by hand. It's uh, fighting the wind, we're fighting the terrain and we're trying to, you know, it's a very perishable skill. So um, once we transition to that, it's, it's basically you push a button twice, another one once, and it's, you're just monitoring and you're, um, if the hoist operator needs me to move um, one click left is our, our terminology. I move a button once, it moves me one meter in that direction based on our GPS position. Okay, come back three clicks, three clicks, nine feet, moves us back, and it really holds us there and it really helps us to maintain that precision over Yeah, I was amazed at how, how stable and, and solid it was just sitting there. Yeah. And from down here looking up, you would never know it, but there's some pretty rugged terrain up in our mountains where, yeah. where we're going in, we're going to rescue people because they're they're either injured or they've right. they've gotten stuck to where they actually there's no way out for them. Right. And it's uh it some of it are, are some pretty scary places for you to actually fly in with the blades feet away from sure. trees or from sure. a cliff from a sheer cliff. Yeah. That, that's some that's not your normal it's not, what you signed up for as a cop. Yeah, that's a very uh, outside of normal operation task that we would do. Uh, but we do train uh, very frequently uh, with this aircraft. Uh, we're, we're all the four of us that can fly it. The pilots were and the hoist operators were very, very comfortable, very proficient in it. Uh, we took a very uh, slow baby steps approach when we first took delivery of the aircraft. We got our initial training from the, the factory, but that was only seven and a half hours. And so then we spent um, 40 hours per pilot each getting to know all the systems, uh, daytime, nighttime, how it behaves in a hoist, how it's going to behave in the, in the mountains. Um, cause it was really, it, it, a, a lot, we're the foremost experienced pilots in the unit that were the first to fly this. And it was still, it was, it's, it's still a handful. It's a lot to know. Uh, there's very complex systems, uh, in this aircraft and, uh, just getting the, the, the feel and the touch of this, of this aircraft is how, how different it is from, from hand flying an A-star. It's very, this has, And you're still doing that also. You're still going back and forth between yeah, the two. Yeah, yeah, we still have to maintain proficiency in those A-stars because this can go down for scheduled maintenance and unscheduled maintenance, and the, the, the mission still has to go forward. So if someone became lost on the mountain, we would revert back to the A-star. That and, sounds uh, like a, a very good plug and a reason for us to double our efforts with this one and, and maybe have maybe have a, another one. Absolutely. It's, uh, that, would be, that would be a very good a very good um, deployment model for have one on the east end, one on the west end for that very reason. Um, for response times mainly, we can get out there quicker. We had one positioned in the east end and uh, we do get a lot of business out there in the desert. So it'd be good to uh, cut that response time in half yeah. in the desert. Um, so how many pilots do we have? We have eight going on 10 right now. Uh, I have uh, our new uh, unit supervisor, Sergeant White. He's in flight school right now as well as our next pilot, Dan Zipperstein. They're uh, getting their commercial rotorcraft ratings right now. Uh, Zipperstein should be done at the end of the month, and then uh, Sergeant White should be done about the middle of January. So they're going to come back, and I'm going to transition them into the A-Star to get them uh, initially qualified. It's about a 50-hour training syllabus to get them up and going in that. And uh, we're thankful and glad to have a, a supervisor that's actually a pilot now and, and knows what we do, uh, has a very apples-to-apples -apples working knowledge of, of what it is we do and the terrain that we fly in, the conditions that we fly in. Um, so it's great to have that. And uh, so, yeah, we have, uh, so we'll have 10 total pilots. We have uh, six tactical flight officers and we have six EMT deputies, uh, which are great. They're uh, fully trained up and qualified on the EMT side now, and we're utilizing them uh, in our Rescue 9 program. So it's, it's, um, 
it's nice that we have a pretty much fully autonomous unit as we fly out over the over the call. We have EMTs that can provide that basic life support for the yeah. for the victim. That's one of the one of the aspects I didn't realize, or I don't know if we we all thought it through to the end when when we first got the helicopter with search and rescue missions. But right. shortly after we did it, it was like, well, it's we're still pilot, co-pilot, and maybe a, a hoist operator. Yeah. We need somebody else to drop down there and take care of these people yeah. that are that are severely injured sometimes. Yeah. So it was uh, it was just that natural progression to get some at least EMTs in there. We may even right. uh, you know someday we may need to go higher and 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 have a little bit more training for right. for those guys. Yeah. But uh, the the mission that we have with search and rescue is search, certainly one number one it's it's required by law for the sheriff's department. We're right. responsible for for right. all search and rescue within the county, but uh, that that entails us helping people that are out in the middle of nowhere right. and they may need drastic emergency care before yeah. we get them to to an ambulance or to it even if we have to fly them to a hospital so yeah it's a it's certainly a need yeah if we can get that that pre-hospital treatment done in the helicopter or even on the scene where you know we're the only the only entity that can get can do search and rescue daytime and nighttime as well not very very many agencies do a nighttime search and rescue too we're one of the very few um, in fact, uh, they in our OES region, they're already inquiring if we can go to Mount Whitney and be available in the rotation that if there was someone on Mount Whitney like tonight that had to be pulled off, could we be a resource that could go up there um, for uh, OES and, uh, and, and affect that rescue? Uh, so we're looking forward to uh, doing that training next year in the springtime, get familiar with the area and uh, be available for for that kind of for that kind of mission if it was at nighttime. Um, but yeah, it's very uh, it's good pre-hospital care to get the typically with us. It's always a, a rolled ankle, broken ankle, um, some abrasions, um, slips and falls that uh, that we can treat um, before the hospital so or beforehand off to like AMR. It's typically how it usually went. And we get them out of that position of peril that no one else can get them out of to say Mercy Air or AMR, the ambulance to get them to the hospital. And so our EMTs can then, you know, stabilize that leg beforehand or stop some bleeding, you know, treatment before they get to the ambulance. And so that's, that's valuable and it's, and it's good for the, for the public. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And then w with this, with this larger helicopter, also something we didn't necessarily talk about, might've mentioned it briefly, but with the, with the added payload, we can use it as a transport for our SWAT teams sure. or for extra personnel loading them yeah. into the mountains or loading them into certain, you know, tactical operation scene yeah. where we don't have time to drive it in or, you know, something like yeah. that. So this is, this is a, this is a game changer all around for it us, is. even yeah. for a patrol situation and our search and rescue. Yeah, we have, we've utilized uh, just uh, about a week ago. We, we were able to put five uh, fully outfitted SWAT deputies into the aircraft and fly them out to La Quinta immediately to help assist on a scene of a very active scene um, because uh, there was some holiday traffic involved that uh, once the ground units were able to catch up, they had an extended extended drive time to get there. So uh, as simple as a phone call, hey, how many SWAT guys can we take? We'll be there in 10 minutes or so. Hey, I can take five. So got five guys. We were over to, from Hemet to La Quinta, less than 25 minutes. Yeah, and, and something on the ground at certain times can be two hours. Yeah. And yep. we don't have two hours sometimes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Other, other things too, we can, it's, it's a platform for, you know, God forbid a, um, you know, mass casualty event. We have something where we need to get, 
um, people Multiple treated, people out, yeah, out and treated uh, on board a helicopter before they get to the hospital, as uh, it's a good thing. Um, uh, hope it never happens, but it's another thing that we can use this aircraft for. Um, it's very versatile for that for that kind of mission, and with the personnel that we have trained on board, um, can help can help affect that uh, much quicker before the hospital and save lives. Very nice. And and uh, yeah, you know, just want to also hit too on the search and rescue thing. Just want to you know tell the folks that um, you know you're not going to be charged for we 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 get that a lot from folks. And I just want to tell people that we're, if you, we have to save you, um, it's you know we're not swiping a credit card at the aircraft. Um, believe it or not, we have had people that would refuse rescue for that very reason. So, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's it's our responsibility as law enforcement to serve and protect our community. And I, I'm glad you say that because I, I post a lot when we do rescues on social media and I know you all do and I read everything and I get those posts about, you know, oh my gosh, how, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And I saw a GoFundMe account that I actually stopped because I said, look, I I contacted them and said, we, we were happy to help you. We're happy you're safe. Um, This is what your taxpayer dollars are for. This is our job. Yeah. And and for those, for those people, there's always those haters that like to talk bad about them. And yes, I hope you charge them them and charge charge them. Um, That's a, that's really, that's, that's an unfortunate thing to say. It's kind of a misinformed thing to say, you know, you can't help falling and injuring yourself or they get put yeah. in a situation where they just need our help. Yeah. Folks are out doing what they love. You know, I highly encourage it. Go out hiking. It's great to go hiking. We have a beautiful County and yeah, I mean, it, and sometimes through no fault of your own, you, you get hurt. Things yeah. happen. Um, you know, yeah. Sometimes some people could plan better, but you know, we're not going to hold it against them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we're here, we're here to save lives and help people. And so, yeah. Along yeah. those lines, along that, this was, this was nice for me. I'm a, I'm I'm a horse guy. You guys yeah, just rescued yeah. a horse. We did that uh, was unfortunately got itself in a, a bad situation yeah. through its rider. Yeah, and a uh, little bit injured. It got a little bit injured, but it it yeah. spooked its way into a place it couldn't get out. And you guys yeah. were able to get in there and get it. We were, yeah, we were able to uh, affect a rescue of a horse. Um, I think the day before Thanksgiving, uh, the rider got got uh, bucked off, and um, horse got spooked and jumped into. The, the place that the horse ended up in was was truly amazing that he didn't break a leg because it was very large boulders and then there was kind of into like a valley and he was on this like little patch of grass with a tree. So she found him and uh, that day it was too windy. Uh, Thanksgiving was too windy. And so we got the call the day after Thanksgiving. Um, so she spent the night uh, with the horse, those two or three nights. And uh, we got the call and we got everything together. Uh, we got uh, we have some great partners. Um, Riverside City Fire Department. They have their uh, horse animal rescue team. Uh, they have a very elaborate sling that uses that we use to uh, hoist out large animals, particularly hoist, uh, horses. Uh, and that sling takes a lot of training. There's a lot of fail points on that thing if you don't get it right. So uh, we train with them once a year. They have a dummy horse, this rubber horse that weighs 800 pounds. And uh, we come out and train. It was great. Um, so it worked really well um, to get to get that rider's horse out of there. And uh, um, it's a lot that goes on. It's relatively simple to rescue a human being in this thing, but uh, when, you, when, you, when you're attaching an we, animal to We can bottom, tell a human what to do and what not to do. You yeah. kind of you yeah. can't tell the that horse, horse that. The horse has to be drugged and yeah. tranquilized, and there has to be veterinarians involved. And so 
Um, it's a very elaborate operation, but it went very well. Um, it was my first horse ever, so uh, a bit nervous there, not going to lie. Um, don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> goes bad on. Yeah, me either, but, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but and, and some of those things that you said, you talk about those other agencies where you, you guys are for, not forced, but you, you're lucky to be able to work with all different agencies, yeah. with all of our police agencies, with all of our SWAT teams, the training that goes on yeah. with all of them, uh, our search and rescue teams, both in the yeah. desert and our mountain rescue team. Uh, it's it's a, there's. It's, you don't just show up to work and fly a helicopter. There's a lot of training going on. There's right. a lot of, of, of interagency assistance and training, and it, it's a it, it's a full-time affair for sure. It is. We're, we're training constantly year-round, especially with um, our really good partners like uh, RMRU, Riverside Mountain Rescue Unit. Uh, we train them twice a year to be, uh, to be uh, hoisted in a helicopter, and uh, we insert them and extract them on, on large searches. For, uh, missing lost hikers, uh, as well as um, large searches that need to be conducted for children too. Maybe it may be an extended missing child, and we can pull them in as well as a, as an additional resource to cover in the suburbs um, a search, as well as a desert sheriff search and rescue. Great partners to uh, Palm Springs Mounted Police, uh, and we have to train with them. They have new people. They have attrition, so new people need to be trained initially, and then even for the people that are that have been around a while, they still need to ride the hook and and uh, learn all the re refresh on all the terminology and all the choreography that goes on, uh, being able to leave a perfectly good helicopter down a hoist into the ground and look for somebody or save someone and yeah. get them get them prepared to ride the hook back up. So a lot of things going on with yeah. there. It's a, it's a very dynamic. Well, the community, I know the community loves you all. Uh, they, they post all the time about you or they, one of the things that I like seeing every once in a while, you guys will take a picture from the air of, yeah. of, of a, of a kid usually yeah. uh, that's, that's painting a little message in their driveway for yeah. you as you fly over. It's usually I, like a star and the number nine for star nine. Um, we, we like those. We put that out. Uh, those were really big during like COVID when kids were pent up and we say, Hey, let's have a little driveway contest. And a lot of kids got involved. It was great. Yeah. It's it good. Good community involvement. Yeah. You guys, uh, I did, I, I didn't know you all were doing this, but I, I saw, I, I was forwarded several videos of Halloween night, uh, that you entertained people oh, as yeah. you were, as you were flying around entertaining oh, nice. uh, yeah. the trick-or-treaters. That was yeah. all good. Good, it good. doesn't take anything for us to to be involved with the community and exactly. and make them know that uh, we're there for them. Yeah, it doesn't. We're already up flying. Doesn't yeah. cost anything, and it, it makes someone's day. Absolutely, all, we love our jobs, and and yeah, absolutely. Well, we love our aviation unit. You guys are doing a heck of a job. Thank you. Appreciate you coming out here today. Thanks. And I just want to thank everybody for joining in, for listening, for viewing, and we will see and hear you next time at the RSO Roundup.